Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. So Pedro, I'm taking you way back to your childhood, and I want you to talk about maybe the first brand that you can remember being really connected to. It's, it's kind of a sad story, though, my, my connection with the brand. You know, I, I remember there was this bike, you know, it was a kind of a freestyle bike. I was probably like six or seven years old, and, and they had advertising, you know, all over TV, and it was next to Christmas. And I was kind of bugging my parents all the time saying, look, I really want this bike. You know, it was called BMX, BMX Freestyle. And I was crazy about that bike. It was my dream, whatever. And then Christmas night, you know, they, they, they bring all the gifts and they bring a wrapped bike. And I went crazy, crazy, crazy. And they said, oh, sorry, this is not for you. This is for your sister. So it was like <laughs> a, girl's, a girl's bike, you know, and I was so, so, so upset. And I never got my, my BMX, but that's something that, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I had a, a memory about a brand because a brand that I, that I wanted a lot. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO podcast is Pedro Erp. He's the chief marketing officer of AB InBev, the largest beer company in the world and one of the largest companies in the world, period. $55 billion in sales. Seven of the 10 top beers in the world are his. And what I loved about the conversation with Pedro today is he also looks out over ZX Ventures, which is the venture arm of AB InBev. So he's involved in acquisitions, partnerships, new brands, new forms of selling you know, beer and distributing it, as well as all the current brands. So this mix of how do you keep your your foot in today's marketing and keeping today's brands healthy and finding the new brands and new services of the future is fascinating. And how he's mastering that, we all have a lot to learn from. So now here's my conversation with Pedro Erp. Pedro, thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. Up. Absolutely. Pleasure. So did you bring me any beer today? I did it, man. I did it. You did I not should bring, have, right? <laughs> if, if you if you had brought me a beer, which one would you have brought? I heard you were a fan of Stella. Is that true or no? It is true. It's not a myth. It is true. <laughs> I should have brought Stella. Well, very good. Later. We'll do that later. So listen, I'd like to start with a little game, right? And I want to throw a word out there. It might be a brand. might be something else. I just want you to respond with one word or one phrase. All right. Okay. Let's do it. So here we go. So first one is... Bud Light. Uh, friends. Corona. Beach. Orange Vanilla Coke. Ooh. 
orange vanilla Coke. Not for me. <laughs> Still Artois. Sophistication. Nice. Heineken. Who, what is that? <laughs> Goose Island. Craft. Uh, Brahma. Uh, flavor. Mick Ultra. Wellness. Consumer. Everything. So say more about that. I, you know, you're in this amazing job. Yeah. Stuff you do affects millions of people around the world in your category, which is not beer. It's bringing people together. There's no company in the world who brings more people together than you guys. That's unreal. So what do you, how, do you think about that every day? Yeah. That what, what you're doing affects so many people and how they come together. No, it's a privilege, you know, and, and we, I mean, beer has been doing that for more than 10,000 years, right? I, I was talking to, uh, you know, to some of my colleagues who just had a, an amazing week in, in China and, and we had people talking about the role of beer in society, you know, and wellness and all that. And a lot of people don't know, but actually beer created civilization. You know, there are a lot of studies now since the, the 1950s that people found out that actually the first grains... Uh, that people planted, uh, and and that's the reason why the Southern communities was actually Bali to you know to make beer. So people thought it was you know people settling communities to you know to to plant uh, uh, and to grow uh, wheat to do bread, and now they found out that it, it was Wasn't actually it was it's actually beer. Bali, yeah. And you know, and so there are a lot of scholars talking about you know how how beer over time is some social tensions you know and. And how people got together because of beer. So it's you know it's a it's a privilege, but a big responsibility, you know, to kind of take the the flag of beer forward. So has that thinking evolved at AB InBev? You know, you guys have talked about brand purpose a lot, and the purpose of the company, and the purpose of your brands. So has that evolved over time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the you know, first your your book was a big inspiration for us, right? We always use the the concept of brand purpose and and brand ideal. Uh, and that has has been, I think, uh, more stronger than ever, you know, Jim. Because people talk a lot about technology now, and they talk a lot about, you know, being being relevant in culture and things like that. And I think these are all things that actually serve, you know, the brand purpose, and they make the brand purpose even more targeted and even more relevant. But it all starts with, you know, what what kind of difference your brand makes in people's lives, right? How your brand improves people's lives. Uh, and you know, there, there's a risk, I think that people focus on culture by, by, by itself, or they focus on technology, segmentation, targeting, and they forget that actually mm -hmm. what's going to drive the brand forward is, is the role that it has on people's lives. It's a hard question for you. I know, cause you love all your babies. Which of your brands do you think is doing the best job on bringing their purpose to life? I do stuff, you know, I mean, you know, we have so many brands. Or who's doing a great job? I mean, all there... over the world. You know, I, I like a lot. I've been, you know, I was just on my way now taking a look at uh, uh, the the work that Budweiser just did with uh, with Wade. Uh, you know, today the you know the guys retiring. I think I think Budweiser has been a brand that has been striking an emotional chord. Uh, you know, talking to the heart of of Americans. Uh, you know, it's it's always on the you know the top five of the Super Bowl and 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 things like that. Uh, doing that in a very contemporary way, you know, we're using digital a lot and things like that, but also, you know, really, uh, really embracing what the brand stands for, you know. So 
I will have many brands that I think are, you know, are doing well. I think, you know, Michelob Ultra is the fastest growing brand that you asked for the last three years, also doing very well. But, uh, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we have, we have some brands that are, that are doing, doing okay. So to give some context for the Dwayne Wade video, this is his last year playing in the NBA. And as he's going through his last year, he's trading jerseys with other great players. Well, Budweiser released this four-minute video of Dwayne Wade standing on the court and different people approach him whose life he has deeply affected. It is incredibly authentic. It's an incredibly moving video. Watch it. So one more question about you before we're jumping into some heart-to-heart about CMO, the CMO world. So can you tell me something that I could learn about you that's not online? No, so much to, of our life today, is accessible today, now. Today, everything is online. <laughs> <laughs> our life is all a, a open Facebook, not an open book, right? Uh, no, something that people actually find uh, funny about me when I say is that uh, I'm a marathon runner. I know that it doesn't look like I don't have, I don't have the shape of a marathon. So you see everybody's laugh, laughing that I'm a marathon runner. Uh, but uh, Looks so deceiving, right? Yeah. You're wearing the right shirt. But I, uh, yeah, I try to, um, try to challenge myself of every year running, running a marathon, you know, to keep. Uh, but the last marathon you ran, you ran it in like four and a half hours, right? Yeah, four, four fifteen. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. So your goal this year is? Less than four. That's great. Let's see. Let's yeah. see. Going to, going to Chicago. Chicago is like one of the fastest marathons in the world to see that if I can go under, under four. Fantastic. And what will you drink after the marathon? Michelob Ultra. <laughs> Good. Of course. On brand. Yeah. The, you know, Michelob, actually beer, you know, a lot of people drink, uh, drink beer after, you know, after marathons. Of course, not only the, the reward, right, of drinking, a, you know, a beer after you accomplish something, but uh, because of carbonation. Mm-hmm. You actually uh, uh, rehydrate faster than than water, you know, and you have carbs and everything. So this is my my go-to beer. Well, good luck. I'll be there cheering. (laughs) Thanks, man. So let's talk this CMO role. And I think you have chief marketing officer, right? You probably have the most enlightened role in the industry now. And the reason I say that is because you look out over all of the marketing in AB InBev, a $55 billion beverage company, and you look out over your new venture group, yeah. which you led for several years. Now, I know you're only three months into the job, you're a new CMO, but how visionary is that to put the future and the present together under one leader? So I want to know, how the hell do you manage that? Yeah. What do you work on? How do you spend your day? I mean- what do you spend your time on? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's uh, you know, the, it has been a journey for us. You know, f- I mean, we uh, we really uh, kind of tried to ramp up our our efforts in in innovation from 2008, 2010 onwards. And mindset wise, I think we've always been there, but we I think we didn't get the you know the governance right. Whenever you have kind of small things try to compete for resources with things that are big and are more short term, it's very hard. You know, so so back in 2015, you know, our board they get together every year on a on a, you know, their strategy session and and they discuss saying, look, you know, we, we have a gap in innovation. We gotta accelerate that. And and it actually came from the board the idea of setting up a separate uh, ventures group. And I was invited to to lead that 
you know, that group and things really start getting traction, you know, because when you really separate resources, uh, when you separate people, when you bring people with other skill set, uh, then, then the thing really got traction, you know, and, and now I think the, the idea a little bit is to try to bring some of the mindset and some of the methodologies, you know, in terms of innovation also to the, to the core business. So I'm super excited about, about that new phase. Uh, and the only way of, uh, of, of doing that, it's actually always having people that are better than ourselves, than yourselves, right. To, to go there and step up and, and taking, taking your role. So we have, uh, you know, Bernardo Novik, which is the person that is, that is kind of, uh, leading now ZX on a, on a daily basis, uh, managing. I'm, I'm probably now I'm, I'm, I'm basically spending 90% of my time on the, on the core business and 10%, uh, you so know, when you say ZX core thing. business, you mean the Bud, marketing, yeah. Bud Light, Stella, the big brands. Exactly. So, so give me a day in your life. I mean, what happens Ooh. when you wake up? I know they're all different, but yeah, just give me an idea of your rituals. What yeah. happens? How early do you get up? What do you do in the morning? How do you attack your day? How do you prepare for it? Yeah. How much is it in your control versus not? Uh, yeah. So, so I usually, I wake up early. Uh, I wake up between, uh, like five and five thirty. uh, and then I try to exercise, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. And the great thing is that, uh, you know, now you can basically so what's exercise. what's your ritual? Do you run? Do you go to a fit class? Yeah, or? yeah, I run. Yeah. I run uh, I run like four or five times, uh, you know, a week. And it's great because now you can basically listen to podcasts, you know, learn new things every day. So that, this is at least like, a, you know, one hour every day that I'm so trying to- What's your to, favorite to, running podcast or your favorite music? Ah, you know, I listen to a lot of things. You know, I listen kind of the Lean Startup podcast. I listen to, uh, you know, HBR. I listen to the McKinsey, mm -hmm. uh, you know, quarterly. I listen to the, um, you know, Scott Galloway, new, new podcast mm -hmm. is, you know, it's a good one. So I try, I, I take a look a little bit, the subject that I'm interested in, and then I, I, I go to look for the- you know, the podcast. I've also been downloading a lot of YouTube now on, on YouTube premium. You can download the, you know, the, the video. So I look at, you know, lectures and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then, and then I go to work, you know, and, and at work, um, you know, today with the size that we have is basically impossible for you to try to micromanage and, and be, uh, you know, making a lot of decisions, you know, what, what, what you have to really spend your time on is, you know, align a vision with a team, you know, have a goal post, a North Star, um, hire great people, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, uh, uh, hiring people, um, you know, promoting them, training them and things like that. And then there are some milestones, you know, that you, that you take a look at and you, and you are more involved, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of time with people, you know, just, just for you to have a sense, for example, you know, every, every Monday afternoon, um, you know, I have blocked to interview people, you know, that, that join the organization. And I interview basically everybody that joins, you know, the ZX organization in New York or the marketing team in New York or anybody that joins at a senior level anywhere in the world in marketing, you know, so I, I dedicate time to that. Um, so that's- How that's much time do you spend with your CEO? Uh, we, we spend, we spend some time together, you know, we have kind of our, you know, our rituals at, at ZX, to be very honest, was very light. Uh, you know, we will get together for, you know, on a, on a routinely basis, like one hour every quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and then I would, I, I would access him whenever I felt the need and he was always available there. 
now we have more. I mean, it needs to be a bit more integrated, right? But uh, but we uh, we spend some time together. It's not a lot, to be honest. We we've been trying to be a to be agile, you know, and really to get together, not for the sake of getting together and reviewing reviewing yeah. uh, uh, performance, but more, you know, added value, added value meetings, you know. Sure. So you were 18 years with AB and Bev, working yeah. all around the world before you were appointed CMO. So I was 18 years at P&G before being appointed CMO. So we did it about the same time in our career. So did you feel prepared? For, you're, you're 90 days into this job, right? Yeah. Did you feel prepared for it? Do you, do you feel prepared now? Are there any new muscles or skills you're developing? No, not, not, not at all. You know, I think, I think, uh, not at all prepared. No, not at all prepared. And we always, you know, in our company, we always do that, right? We never, we never wait until someone's prepared to, to kind of give the, the challenge. Uh, we always count on people to be curious and humble and hardworking to kind of catch up to the things that they don't know, or, you know, the things that they need to know. Uh, but we are, we are kind of never prepared, you know? So, uh, w one of the things, for example, you know, in terms of kind of data analytics, technology, and things like that, I've, I've been, I've been a bit away of this world because I was more on the venture side of things for, you know, for the last five years. Uh, and you know, and one of the things that I'm spending time on, for example, is to catch up in marketing technology, you know, on, on, on digital in general and things like that, you know. So, so what's been your biggest aha in the first three months? I, I, I think the power, you know, the power of, of data and the possibilities of digital, you know, what, what technology is offering us basically uh, will allow us to, you know, to be uh, 10 times more efficient in the marketing that we do. Again, you know, it's all about- You just bought a beer rating company, right? Yeah. 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 Rate beer. Yeah. So that's to gain more data about consumers and habits yeah, exactly. and practices and trends. Exactly. Again, again, you know, everything that we do is to make a difference in people's lives, right? But the more you understand about who are the people, you know, what appeals to them, you know, what are their routines, you know, what's the best moment for you to send a message, it, it basically makes your your life your life much easier, much more efficient in in, in terms of uh, of marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me what. I always ask people this, what's your best day so far as CMO and what's your worst day and why? Uh, so far, I, 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 I didn't have any worst day to That's be good. very honest. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm always very optimistic and very, very upbeat about, about things. Um, my, my good days is, is whenever I'm kind of learning new things with the team and finding, you know, opportunities and, and, and things that are, that are exciting, that we feel that are, you know, massive opportunities that we can capture out there. If you think about it, Jim, you know, we, we, we are a big company, you know, but if you take a look at the total alcoholic beverage industry in the world, it's a one and a half trillion dollar uh, uh, opportunity for us, right? And, and as and you're you said, 55 we, are, billion, we have so. 55 billion dollar company, right? So we are still tiny, if, if you will, in terms a of- Tiny the, 55 billion dollar company, yeah. it's good. In terms of the total opportunity, it's tiny, you know, and, and for a long time, to be honest, in terms of you asked about consumers and being consumer-centric and things like that, for a long time, I think we saw ourselves as a beer company, you know, and now, now we see ourselves much more as a company that brings people together. So we are much more agnostic to the products that we offer our, our consumers, you know, before we were like, okay, I need to sell beer. You know, now I try to take a look at consumers saying, look, you know, what's the best product that I can offer people that will bring them together in a better way, you know? So, yeah. so it's a massive opportunity. 
You know, so many legacy companies, big companies, old companies uh, are trying to be young and stay fresh and be more agile and be more daring, accept failure. So you were running ventures for several years. Mm -hmm. Now you have the CMO role and ventures. What, what can we learn from you about instilling more of a growth mindset in a large company? Because I'm sure that's why you're in the role. Yeah. Right? That's probably why your CEO saw you as perfect for this. So what could others learn from you in terms of what you were doing to make this large company that wants to feel small? What lessons have you had in instilling that the startup mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset in the mothership? Yeah. We, we, we are still in the beginning of the journey, right, Jim? I mean, we, uh, we, we set up ZX uh, four years ago. Um, you know, the, the business has been growing, right? We, we, uh, we just crossed kind of our billion-dollar revenue mark, which is a, you know- With big, ZX Ventures. Yeah. Wow. Which is a, you know, it's a, a, a very so, good- So you went from zero to a billion. Yeah. A we, we were $150 million when it started because we had some, ventures. you know, craft business mm -hmm. and e-commerce business already that, that were in place. Uh, but we've been, we've been, you know, growing very fast. And I think the big, the big aha was that, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is a form of management, you know, and we, uh, we like management, you know, and, and we like, uh, people, people have this, this view that, that actually innovation and, and entrepreneurship is much more about intuition and having a great idea and things like that. In, in a way, has creativity and has intuition like marketing does, but there is a lot of process for you to get there, you know, so we, uh, we, we took that strength of ours, which is, you know, the, this obsession about, uh, you know, operational excellence, and we try to apply that to, to entrepreneurship, you know. So you, you, you take a look at different metrics, you know, you hire different profiles and things like that. But at the end, it's about, you know, putting a process in place that can yield uh, uh, great results, you know. So I think the, the, main, the main thing that we learned, you know, in the last four years is that, uh, uh, you know, to create something new and make it big is a very different discipline from taking something, you know, big and make it bigger. And and we are we are very very good, you know, at taking things that are big and making them bigger. Right? We are by, uh, you know, by in in historical terms, we are more scalers than creators. Uh, and now we are kind of developing the muscles of of becoming creators, and you know, starting with consumer problems. And then developing products, and then making them business that that can can get big. Was that the biggest mindset shift to start with consumer friction, problems, opportunities, and yeah, work backwards? For, for sure, for sure. I mean, the you know this obsession about the, the two questions, you know, that we're always asking ourselves. And it's funny now because you know even even our our CEO, you know, Brito, now that a lot of a lot of times that he applies the same questions to the core business, which is you know what is the consumer problem that you're solving. And how are you solving it in a significantly better way than what's out in the market? You know, and, and that's kind of the mindset that we have for everything that we that we started in, in the venture side, but now we also trying to apply that that mindset to our core business. Fantastic. So Pedro, this this issue of KPIs, right? Yeah. You've run many businesses in your career, and we're gonna talk about your career in a minute. Uh, when you're running a business, the KPIs are pretty clear. Yeah. You're growing household penetration, loyalty, trial, profitability, new users, everything. Now you're in a job where you're looking at over everything. And as you said earlier, you know, you have a very broad scope and you have ventures and all the current brands. So how, you, how do you measure success? What could others who are in a job with multi-brand yeah. companies, 
learn from how you judge success? What are your KPIs? Yeah. So we are, I mean, we are big fans of KPIs, right? And, and, and we... Uh, Key performance indicators is what we mean by yeah, KPIs. We believe it's very important for, uh, you know, for people to have a big dream, you know, for brands to have a big dream, but then being able to measure whether you're on track to that big dream or not, right? I think the big mistake is that sometimes people use the same KPIs for different stages of business or for business that are completely different, right? So, so for a long time, again, you know, in, in our scaled business, right, for ABI, core brands, whatever, we use the, the regular metrics, as you said, you know, we use like net revenue growth and market share and loyalty and, you know, consideration and things like that. Now, for businesses that are getting started, the metrics are completely different, right? So we are taking a look more at, you know, desirability metrics and viability metrics and feasibility metrics, uh, which are which are very uh, very different, right? Because, you know, there there I'm not sure if if it was uh, Eric Ries or Steve Blank that that gave that definition that uh, you know, a startup is a temporary organization searching for a replicable and scalable model, and and those are the metrics that we have to take a look at a, at a very early stage uh, company, right? So, to be very honest, we have kind of the same discipline uh, on KPIs on our scale business and our ventures business, uh, but the you know the 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 metrics are very different you know and how about for your personal kpis yeah i also have that again you know i think that applies to that applies to to everything right so again i think it's great for everybody to have a dreaming life uh you know and 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 knowing where where they want to get at and then and then you know track against that and see on how how they're evolving you know mm -hmm. we've all been there you spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. So your 19 years with AB InBev, your career has been interesting. So what? tell us how you got to this place, not in detail, but what are some of the countries you worked in, yeah. favorite assignments, what prepared you well for leading this amazing marketing organization now? Yeah, so I, I started as, a, as a, a trainee. You know, we have a, we have a very strong training program at ABI mm -hmm. for, you know, for more than 25 years now. Uh, and I joined right after college. This is my-, my You were in London. Did you start in Brazil or UK? Exactly. I was in London and then I joined in Brazil. Mm -hmm. I, I did my, you know, university in London and, and, and joined the company in Brazil. My, my first and only job so a lot of people sometimes they ask me how does that compare with other companies and I don't know how to answer because that that was my my only job uh, and you know I, I started there and at the time you know it was kind of sales was our competitive advantage in Brazil you know because everybody uh, you know kind of if you could there, there were so many bars and restaurants in Brazil and the, the distribution was very weak you know so if you could ha get to more bars than your competitors you will win. So the competitive advantage was really in sales and distribution. And when I finished the training program, I said, I want to go in. Uh, 
sales and distribution, you know, because that's what the company needs as a core competitive advantage. And then because I did uh, uh, economics and, and, you know, I, I spoke English at the time, whatever, people wanted me to work in M&A. And I said, look, no, but M&A is not the core of the business, you know, and I, you know, if, if it was to go to M&A, I'll probably, uh, you know, I'd rather go to a bank or to, a, you know, consulting company because that's their core business, not our core business. Little did you know at the time it would become a core business, right? Exactly. You know, and people are like, no, no, trust us. There are great people in, you know, in, in, in M&A and, you know, and, and then I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll give it a try. And then I, I joined M&A and, you know, my my kind of my boss was promoted within eight months and then I had another boss and eight months later, one year later, my second boss promoted and then and then they gave me the chance to to head M and A for the for the company at the time in two thousand and two. So you're heading mergers and acquisitions when you're how old? I was twenty four. Wow. Yeah. Twenty four. And totally if I'm unprepared today at that time I was really <laughs> unprepared. It's fun the, the story's funny, you know, the the you know the the CEO got me uh, when my when my boss was was kind of promoted. You know they they looked for people for two or three months, and I was there. You know, and one day the the CEO called me to the to the bar. We had a bar, you know, at the office, and he he kind of grabbed me, and he said, "Look, um, you know, we're gonna give you the chance of becoming the the head of MNA, but uh, I'm gonna give you any consultant you ask, any bank, you know, bankers help that you need, whatever." Uh, but if you screw up because of lack of being humble, you know, on what you don't know, then you're fired. Other than that, you can do whatever you want, you know, and, and, and that's the kind of, Fabulous you know, boss, right? Yeah, that's, that's the, that's a company. And then I, I did M&A for a while and then exactly the same thing happened. I was in M&A for a long time. I did, you know, some, some, you know, big deals like the, the Interbrew deal at the time, the Cumis deal, our expansion into Central America. So what were the biggest brands you brought into the company in that deal? Yeah, so so Kilmes, right, was a was a big deal for us. You know, in Latin America, Kilmes basically mm-hmm. had a, a massive pricing half of the Americas who had the other half. And then when we did the deal with with Interbrew, you know, we had Stella, you know, we had a you know a massive pricing in China at the time and things like that. And then I ended up coming back to 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 M&A, uh, you know, during the during the uh, the AB transaction when we when we did uh, the Budweiser deal, uh, but but at some point in time in M and A, you know, I was doing that for a while. I said, look, I would love a, a new challenge, and I think the competitive advantage for the future is going to be marketing, you know. But I don't know anything about marketing, and then again, the company gave me the challenge, you know, and 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 I I became global head of insights and innovation uh, in marketing, uh, you know, at the time. So I I I lived in in Belgium and in in Canada doing that. Uh, and then I, ca- I came briefly back to MNA to for the for the the AB deal, um, and then 2015, you know, they they invited me to for this ventures role, and again had no idea about ventures, never worked in ventures, but that's how you know that's how the company uh, company fabulous is. career path, fabulous and unusual. Yeah. So Super marketing exciting. today, you know, you've been in it now for several years with your MNA background. What do you think is the most important new capability, new skill? that you're trying to build within your organization? Yeah. Uh, again, you know, I think, I think, you know, starting with what's not going to change, you know, I think the brand purpose, brand ideal, this is always going to be the, you know, the make or break, right? I think the other things are, are going are gonna to make that better. Uh, but if you don't get that one right, I think, I think you, you're not going to have a, um, you know, a, a great business. So, I think the the two things 
that we're really focused right now in terms of you know creating new muscles and new capabilities. One is this whole thing about digital transformation. Um, you know, I, I've been we started the e-commerce business, you know, for the company back in 2015. And I saw, you know, very close how data, you know, and how having a frictionless and, and easy path, you know, to consumers uh, can really revolutionize your business. Uh, and, and I think now we have really an opportunity to do that with a whole, uh, you know, marketing organization. So I think that one is a, is a big, big one. And then the second one is innovation. You know, one, one thing that I that I was talking to some of my, you know, my, my peers, uh, you know, last week was that uh, we, we, we spent this week in China talking about, every, you know, all the areas of the company, you know, from uh, marketing to sales, to supply, to ventures, to whatever. And, and it, it's very clear, you know, if you take a look at companies out there, there are some small companies that are winning, right? And they really have amazing brands and they are growing a lot. And, and you know, I was talking to my peers saying, look, if you take a look at these companies, right? In every single function, we are probably ten times better than than what they are, right? Our people processes, you know, our supply processes, our you know sales organization, our technology capabilities, whatever. But there's one thing that some of these guys sometimes are doing better, right? Which is to identify a consumer problem or identify a consumer need and creating a product to fulfill that need, you know. So even with them being worse in every single other thing. You know, they are still winning the marketplace because they have this consumer focus and they are creative in how to deliver these solutions, you know. So, I mean, companies companies like ours that are big, have people, have capabilities, it's kind of shocking mm -hmm. that they are not innovating faster and better than some of these small organizations, you know. So that's kind of a second sure. uh, capability and muscle that we are, we are strengthening. Yeah. And both of those capabilities you just mentioned, digital transformation and innovation, at the end of the day, what doesn't change is start with the consumer backwards. Absolutely. And how can you make their life better in some way, shape, or form? We yeah. just don't focus on that with enough of our time in our organizations. Absolutely. We can never get complacent on that. So I'm going to flip into a few industry questions in a minute, but I'd like you to share with me, when you pass this job along at some point to someone else, like Miguel did to you, yeah. Uh, his predecessor, Miguel Patricio. What do you hope people say about you? This might be three years out, five years out, ten years out. I don't know when it will be. What yeah. do you hope people say when you pass this job along? I think, Inside the company and outside the company. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, you know if we become kind of my dream is if we can be the most consumer centric you know, an innovative company in the world. I think we, you know, this is kind of the, you know, the, the dream. Of, you didn't say in your category, you said in the world. Yeah, in the world, yeah. If, if you take a look, I mean, you read the, you read the, the, the mission statement of Amazon, which, which I like a lot and admire a lot, is they want to be the most consumer-centric company, you know, in the, in the world, right? And I, I really think in the future, companies that are not that, you know, I, you know they, they're going to be dead. You know, because today, I think in the future, the categories are going to blur and, you know, CPGs are going to compete with technology companies and things like that. And, and if, you know, being the most consumer-centric company or being very consumer-centric is going to be a matter of survival, right? So I think being able to understand consumers that better than anybody else, create products or services or experiences that fulfill their needs better than anybody else and deliver that you know, in a seamless and convenient way, I think that's the ultimate competitive advantage, right? So 
So if I can kind of help the company in that journey, I think it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's it'll be a, it'll be a great legacy. And I think the second one is, you know, the people aspect of things, right? We we always uh, our dream has always been, you know, to build a company to last, you know. And again, this company, the first brand of this company is from the 13th century, you know. So I think we have a massive responsibility of taking the flag you know, forward and leaving the company for the next generation, a better company than the one that we, that we inherited in. And, and people is, is the, the number one thing on that, right? So Miguel, um, people-wise, has always been a massive inspiration, you know, for, for a lot of us. And, and, you know, if I, can, if I can leave to my successor a team equal or better than the one that he has left me, I think that that will be a, a great legacy too. It's a beautiful remit. Well said. Thank you. Who do, you said Amazon. Who else do you admire in the outside world, the companies that you look to? Yeah, I, I think Amazon, Amazon for me is, is, is amazing. You know what these guys were, were able to do, you know, in terms, they, they defied a lot of the, you know, of the established uh, beliefs in terms of like core business, you know, and, and, and what you can do, what you can do and stuff like that. So they challenge a lot of the, you know, preconceptions that, that, that people had about what's possible, what's not possible. I like a lot, you know, sometimes companies that are also closer to our business because they, you know, they can, we can translate better the learnings. The two ones that I, that I admire a lot are Nike and, and Red Bull that are kind of closer to us, you know, because they, they are really obsessed about their mission, mm-hmm. you know, but they are very agile and very flexible in how they deliver that, that dream, you know, or that, or that mission, right? In the, in the case of, of Nike, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know, inspiring people to become, you know, to become athletes. You know, they started with shoes, right? But then they went into technology and now they are into kind of community, right? With the, the Nike running clubs and, and stuff like that. And, and Red Bull is the same thing, right? Red Bull always had that mindset of energizing the world and things like that. They've always been obsessed about that. But they went from, a, you know, an energy drink to a media company to owning you know, sports teams and stuff like that. So I, I think these companies are very inspirational to us. So you're talking, the, both of these companies, Nike and Red Bull, are lifestyle brands now. Yeah. And certainly Apple is a classic lifestyle brand. Uh, you could say, you know, maybe BMW, Harley-Davidson at its best, lifestyle brand. I'm, you know, I, I like your perspective on how does that happen? You just talked about Nike and Red Bull being focused on innovation and content and technology and expansive view of their business, not being stuck on shoes. Any other insights that we could learn from, from your, what, how does that happen? When yeah. does it happen? Jim, I always go back to, you know, to, to the, the difference that you're making people's lives, you know, and, and this could be functionally or emotionally, you know, and I, I think these brands have become lifestyle and people get so connected to them. Uh, it's because they've they've been able to do that in a you know spectacular way, right? So so this could be a, again you know it could be it could be very functional that people get fall in love with the brand because the brand functionally address a pain point that they have, uh, but it could also be emotionally you know sort of the brands uh, the brand allows them to be uh, recognized you know to be admired and things like that. I think Apple for example you know from a lot of people I mean, I'm not a technology expert you know but people take a look at a lot of the Apple products, you know, and kind of the, the, the description and the technology behind Apple products. And people say, look, there are products out there that from a technological standpoint, they are higher performance uh, 
products than Apple, but Apple delivers the emotional benefit that others don't, right? So, so I think brand, brands that become lifestyles again, you know, they they improve people's lives, be it be it from a, an emotional or a functional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Great. I have a few other kind of really interesting industry questions to ask you that others would benefit from. I think um, you have so many brands and you hire so much talent to represent those brands: athletes, actors, musicians. How do you do that? How do you decide who's the right fit? Yeah, so you know, I, I think this, you know, the athletes or the partners or the influencers or uh, you know, again, they they serve uh the brand, the brand purpose, right? And and they they need to be a vehicle of improving people's lives. So I I think first of all, it needs to start with authenticity. You know, and a lot of times, to be honest, we uh, we try to get together with with these artists whenever we have kind of a common dream, mm-hmm. you know, or a common objective with consumers, uh, you know. So I, I think that that's kind of a you know a starting point for us to say, look, do we have if if the influencer or the talent, whatever, they just want our cash and they will say whatever, uh, you know, we want because they are getting paid for it. It kind of doesn't work, right? Because they don't go above and beyond. It doesn't sound authentic. So the first thing is, you know, do do we have do you know, do we have aligned dreams, right? Do we wanna do we wanna do the same thing with our consumers and you know take take them to a to a better place or not? And then and then it also goes to authenticity, right? I mean, does a person really connects with our mm-hmm. brand and and admires the brand or the brand has a you know a, you know a connection to us? So to 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 give you an example, uh, you know, we did a we did last year the the Bud Light uh, uh, dive bar tours with uh, with Lady Gaga, right? And you know when when our team start you know talking to her about opportunities of doing stuff together and things like that, she she talked about you know in her very early days you know going to to bars in the Lower East Side and drinking Bud Light and you know how that brand you know emotionally connected with her because that was part of her history and stuff like. So then 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 you build a connection and authenticity you know that. That actually uh, makes makes the whole partnership believable mm-hmm. and authentic to consumers, right? So that that's kind of a. Uh, well, I grew up in Pennsylvania. When I was a young guy, I used to drink Rolling Rock. So if you want me yeah. to represent Rolling Rock, <laughs> we might be able to do a deal outside of this. I'm a Rolling Rock ambassador. <laughs> so, so the Super Bowl, right? It's the pinnacle of our advertising world, anyway. Mm-hmm. You guys have always been represented well in that. What's your favorite Super Bowl ad of all time? Oh man, you you, you asked me a possible question. Yeah, uh, I I have to be very honest with you. I mean, I, when I was kind of living in Brazil, you know that NFL and Super Bowl is not very big in Brazil. <laughs> so I've been really following Super Bowl much more when I when I moved to the you know to the US. To the I mean, of all times, you know, I, I really don't know. I have to, I have to think about it. But uh, you know, this year one that I really enjoyed was uh you know the Budweiser one. Uh, you know with uh you know, uh, with the Bob Dylan, you know, blowing the wind song. I don't know if you've, if you've seen that, yes, that one. Of course. You know, it's kind of a subject, you know, that if you think about it, can be very boring, right, to talk about, okay, now our our beers are brewed or 100%, you know, renewable energy. Uh, but I really think it was, you know, in a in a artistic way, it was a very well-crafted, uh, you know, TVC, very emotional, you know, give me a goosebump. So I, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. I want to st- end with a speed round. Okay, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. You just react from your heart sure. emotionally. So what's the one non-AB InBev brand you cannot live without? Beer brand. Yeah. No. The brand that you don't have. 
What's a brand in your life you cannot live without? Ooh. That's not your own brand. Uh, my, uh, my Beats headphone when I'm, when I'm running. Your Beats headphone. Good. All right. Super. <laughs> so a book you are reading, if you're reading a book right now. Yeah, I'm reading, I, I mentioned to you like the, the new to big and big to bigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, David Kidder just wrote the book new to big. I just read that. Yeah. So that's the one that I'm reading right now. New to big by David Kidder. It's actually fabulous. Yeah. It's a great book. It's funny. It's lively and it's useful. David is part of our advisory board at, at ZX and we, uh, you know, we benefit a lot from the learnings that he has. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, series you're watching in Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. Is there anything you're watching now that you love? I I, uh, I haven't watched a series in a in a little bit, but the two documentaries that I've watched recently, one was uh, Free Solo from you know from uh, HBO. It's on my list. Amazing one, and then uh, Innovators, right? The the story of uh, Terranos, mm. scary one. Yeah, I'm reading that book now. Actually, yeah, Bad Blood. Bad Blood. So, favorite beer? It depends on the occasion. You know, I, 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 it really depends on the occasion. At a sports event, what's your favorite beer? Budweiser. After a marathon? Michelob Ultra. Okay. With food? Stella. Stella or, or Guzalan. I also like Guzalan. Hanging around with your friends? Uh, but, but, yeah, it depends. So if it's during the day, <laughs> like at a tailgate or a barbecue, whatever, uh, probably Bud Light. Uh, at night, I like a lot the Blue Point Toasted Lager. You know, I like a, that too. It's a little bit more f- yeah. flavor. It, it fits a little bit better the the night occasion. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, super. So biggest passion in the world for you? My kids. How many do you have? I have twins. I have two, two and a half year old twins. How old? Two and a half years old. Two and a half years old. Yeah. Well, you're busy. Yeah. You're busy. Very busy. You need a beer now and then. Very busy. Yeah. Yeah, Pedro, thank are, you. Yeah, joy. It was a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Jim. Absolutely. So that was my conversation with Pedro Erp. I thought it was really interesting that when I asked him about his favorite beer, he couldn't answer that. So he has so many favorite beers, depending on the occasion, who he's with. So he was kind of thinking segmentation as he was trying to tell me what his favorite beer was. I've known Pedro for many years, and one thing I learned in our conversation today, which kind of blew me away, is his deep background in M&A. And he did not come out of a finance background. You know, he was involved in big deals that have built the modern AV InBev when he was 24 years old. That kind of blew me away. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, Leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.